0: Your bi-weekly book club podcast, where in 2021, we are doing Book Riot's 2021 Read Harder Challenge. I'm Stephanie Cortez, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful, amazing co-host, Megan Griffin. Megan, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Good. Well, you know, still <laughs> like lockdown, but you know. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's, it's definitely one of those where it's like...
1: I'm debating breathing a little easier, but I think we gotta see if we can get a Wednesday without having anything. <laughs> be nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, things have definitely. I felt less stress really since Twitter banned yes. a certain former president.
1: Yes. Oh, that sounds so nice.
0: Mm, fucking former. I- Hopefully, impeached will follow.
1: I watched a video, two videos, like, on in Instagram. And the first one was of um, Dr. Biden mm-hmm. giving cookies and, and snacks and stuff to the armed men in D.C. And the second one was of Madam Vice President walking up the stairs saying hello to people. And, oh, my God, I think that's the first time I've said that.
0: Oh. Hearing it is marvelous. <laughs> it's so good. Fucking um, Marvelous.
1: And both those videos, like my I am upset that my first thought was, is this staged? And then I had to be like, or is this just general niceness and I just feel like it's a yeah.
0: lot. We forgot what that looks like. Yes. <laughs> For the last four and fucking then years.
1: <laughs> every social media, I swear, kept showing me the video of Biden talking about how um he's like, we're gonna like take it easy or whatever but if i hear you be rude to someone or be mean to someone i will fire you on the spot that's not up for debate that's been missing from this place for four years it'll happen and i every time would watch it repeatedly because it's like my grandfather scolding me right (laughs) and, right. and, and it would end with like we work for the people the people don't work for us and i the first time burst into tears oh god so i'm not going to sit here and pretend like like they're not going to fuck up right and they probably already have
0: yeah but it's so nice (laughs) right i think there's a difference between fucking up and being a racist misogynist wannabe dictator yeah big difference big fucking difference
1: so hopefully it's it stays good yeah
0: yeah so before we dive into (laughs) what we read for our challenge uh, we were going to read not for the challenge what did you read in during our couple of weeks um
1: so i read a lot (laughs) i'll be honest um And I know I talked, I didn't read about, uh, I did finish Ready Player Two. Mm -hmm. I did not read either of the other books. I started um, Secrets of Camp, whatever, but I haven't finished it. Um, And I didn't start Black Buck yet. But I am going to talk about The Resident, which I read in between, um, which is a weird book that I still haven't decided if I like. It starts off really strong, and then I kind of got bored, which was stupid. It is a ghost (laughs) slash demon story. About our 14th president, who I don't know if anybody knows who the 14th president is off the top of their head.
0: I do not. I
1: (laughs) I didn't. It's Franklin something. Like, I can't even remember his last name now. But the week before, like, as he was going into his inauguration, there was a train accident and his child was killed on the train. Oh, my. The only casualty of this train crash and so it is a ghost story based around that wow and it is a very slow build and i think it's a little bit too slow of a build but if you want a like weird ghost story about the white house (laughs) highly recommend because like yeah it makes sense the white house is definitely haunted
0: Too much shit has happened. It is haunted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about you? What did you read? So I, re- I'm like ninety percent done. So I'll be finishing it, finishing Ooh. it today. It's the memo: What women of color need to know to yes. secure a seat at the table by Minda Hartz. Um, highly recommend. I know I'm not done with it, but highly, highly recommend this. Like, so the company that I work for is very into. You are in charge of your own development. We will help you. We will guide you. But we want to know how you want to advance. And that's for like all levels, cool. it's, it, which I've never worked somewhere that ge- like I that genuinely want like talks the talk and walks the walk. Um, mm-hmm. I've worked for places like my last company before this had like you could do job shadowing to see if you like it. But like, a I never had time. Because we were sure. totally understaffed, and two, I don't think anyone really did it, and people didn't encourage it. Whereas here, people do, and it's just it's it's definitely like it takes them getting used to. It's like how do I figure out my advancement in this company? Like when you actually want me to, instead of me having to like kind of just be like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. How do I get out? Type of thing. Like they yes. genuinely want you to stay and like move around. So that's really cool. Think, yes. So I think this was definitely, this is a good book to read while thinking in that mindset as well and working for this company. Um, And also, I think if you work somewhere like the jobs I described previous to this one, also really good because, as she says, you you are your best advocate. You have to be your Mm -hmm. own advocate. And if you don't, you're just going to get like stuck and you're not going to maybe get to where you want to get to or maybe not as fast if you weren't doing certain things. So highly recommend it it is it's specifically about women of color but i definitely think any woman could benefit from this and also like so our challenge for the week reading a book about anti-racism if you want to work on that maybe read this book to see the things that women of color have to deal with in the workplace so you can be a genuine ally and also avoid bringing in some toxicity and some racism that maybe you're not even recognizing so highly highly recommend i will
1: Definitely check it out for that reason, because we definitely, jobs, the assistant jobs, like the underwriting assistant jobs, uh, mm-hmm. tend to have a lot more people of color than the underwriting and and definitely more than um, the managements um, in our company. And I do think that that is something that, like, I, I hit 10 years with my company this year. So like that whole five to 10 year plan thing, like I didn't really ever develop one. So I'm very curious um, not to say that I'm not happy where where I am in the company, but it would be mm-hmm. nice to ha- have something to read to help gain a plan. And yeah. also, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not bringing microaggressions or, um, you know, unintentionally being racist and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, yeah, no, that sounds wonderful.
0: Yeah, definitely a good read. So. Yeah. Yeah. And as I mentioned, our challenge for this week from Book Riot's <laughs> Read Harder Challenge was to read a nonfiction book about anti-racism. So I was kind of thinking about both of these together. Um, but for the challenge, we read Eloquent Rage, A Black Feminist Discovers Her Superpower by Brittany Cooper. Um, now, I had started this and never finished it. Like I started it mm-hmm. before COVID because I remember I started it on the train and I never finished it. Um, had you read any of this before?
1: No, um, I definitely got it. There was uh, the Libro, which is what I used for audiobooks primarily, um, definitely had a push of anti-racist books, especially after um, last May. And so it was added on there and then um, read a few last year and just didn't ever pick this one up. Yeah, um, And I'm both glad I didn't and mm-hmm. and bummed I didn't because it is so different from the other ones that I read last year. Mm. And I and, know and, and, while also still maintaining a lot of um, similar messages. But this one is so geared towards women of color that I was so excited um, to kind of get more of that because it is definitely something we don't talk about enough. Like. Breonna Taylor is like the first black woman to get murdered that we are openly talking about as consistently. Yes. And Mm -hmm. that is awful all around. I just, I was like the way that I'm phrasing this, I just want to make sure I don't want anybody to be killed by police. Right. Um, But
0: (laughs) but it it really is shitty. Yes. It's important to say her name and not just yes. his names when it comes to those types of events because black men are not the only ones that are murdered right. by police. Right. So so this one I definitely want to read more of her her work. So the author, she's a professor over at Rutgers and she teaches courses in Africana studies and women's gender and sexuality studies. She I definitely want to look into this. She's the co-founder of the Crunk Feminist Collective, which is I saw that. Like, it's like a feminist of color scholar activist group, and I think her and a couple of the other co-founders, I believe, published the Crunk Feminist Collection, which is a collection of essays that look at, like, intersectionality, uh, patriarchy, patriarchy, misogyny, African-American culture, um, stuff like So I definitely want to get into that. That was published, I think, in 2017, the year before this okay. one. And then... Her first book, like just hers, was Beyond Respectability, The Intellectual Thought of Race Women. And that also came out in 2017. So I definitely want to take a look at both of those because I liked her style. I did do the audiobook and it was her reading the audiobook. But Mm -hmm. I liked her style that I think I could also just like get the like physical copies too. I think I'd like those.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is definitely um, for someone who is so educated and does this for a living. It is still... Mm -hmm very
0: relatable it's very easy to read yeah it doesn't get too technical right and it's definitely it's ground it's very much grounded like not in in reality not that other ones aren't but like you said relatable Mm -hmm. topics that we can all like recognize you know and understand um
1: yeah like the last one that we did for the podcast was how to be mm anti-racist um Which was so based in the different types of racism um, and making it a little bit more of a science, I guess, in some ways, like a culture study and and grounding it in more terms. And this was more like um, relating it to the things that she's experienced.
0: Right. And and talking specifically looking at black feminism and anger and the idea that the rage and anger that black women experience can be empowering and revolutionary instead of just Mm -hmm. that stereotype of the angry black woman, you know, using Mm it for like empowerment, basically. It's actually one of the, I think her, her first chapter is the problem with sass and she dives right into it, right into that stereotype of the sassy black woman and like just how it's It's a stereotype I think a lot of black women feel like they need to always avoid and need to, like, really marshal in, like, channel and, hope like, control their anger, control their emotions so Mm -hmm. they're not immediately just cast in that light. I really like how she talks about Serena and Venus Williams and, like, channeling rage and anger into, like, their power on the tennis courts, you know? (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: Especially like I at one point in life had to sit down and someone was like, why do you dislike Serena? And I actually couldn't put a reason to it Mm -hmm. that like made sense in my head. Um, At some point, I just like, I guess, had been around people that just didn't like her or something that I was like, okay, um, like I can I can say that it it is exhausting like when the same person wins repeatedly like I had the same issue with like Nadal and Federer but I didn't dislike them where I was like finding myself with Serena and essentially it was I had to check my privilege like that is entirely what it was Mm -hmm. and so I was really really glad also to hear you know this discussion of Venus and Serena because they are kind of the more recent example? I don't know. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, they get a lot of hate that is undeserved. hmm Yeah. Because um, especially Serena, who does things that you will find so many male tennis counterparts doing and yet she's the one that gets carted.
0: hmm And I think, like, one of those could also it could be, like, that we could talk about would be, like, their level of confidence Like, yes, it's like you expect them to be humble and be like, no, they fucking know that they are amazing Mm -hmm. players. Like they know this. And why should they have to hide and pretend? Because I don't hear you saying that when men say that they're like the greatest, like Muhammad Ali, you know, like,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Why? Why can't they like they were raised to like they're like they were trained to be champions. Like that's always the goal is to win. It's not to lose. Like that's everyone's goal. You know, when you play Mm -hmm. competitively, the goal is to win. They're successful at doing it. And they can't pretend that they're not. <laughs> like, like yeah. oh, I'm an okay tennis player. I've got millions of trophies in my house, but I'm just okay. No, that's not how that <laughs> works. It <laughs> okay.
1: goes back to, like, all those men on the internet they were like, yeah, I can beat Serena. It's you like, fucking...
0: It... No. Have you seen the clock? Like, the, yes. the speed? The serve clock speed? Like, I would not want to be anywhere near her. I'll be in the stands. Okay. That's where I want to be. Oh, yeah. I'll be in the stands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And she's definitely someone that, like, anytime I've gone to the US Open, like, she, if she's playing while I'm there, I'm going to make time for it. And yeah. I guess that was part of like me realizing, like, why, why am I so against? Um, and I, I know that like the only thing that I can legitimately hang a hat on is when they play each other. It annoys me because I don't mm. feel like they play their best against each other. Like, that should be some fucking mm. amazing tennis. And it, Always feels like someone picked the winner beforehand.
0: I've always wondered about that. Because, like, and then I'm like, or is it the mentality of I got to go up against my sister? Um, Serena has more Grand Slams than Venus. Yes. So, like, is it also that mental thing, you know?
1: And for me, I'm like, this should be, like, you guys playing at home and just... Have a fucking good time. Like, I would enjoy it so much if it was very clear that they were having a great time slamming yeah. the ball at each other. But anyway, <laughs> to go back to, like, these men and, like, they finally got mm. some men to come out to, like, prove that this is yeah. bullshit. Yeah. And one dude eventually,
0: um, like, touched the ball and was yes. so excited. Yes, they all were. They, like, all cheered because he got it back over the net. <laughs> <laughs> That's so ridiculous. But then I think... what I remember from that video is them cheering but then as she went to return it, them all going oh shit (laughs) you know like panicking (laughs) and like trying to get out of the way basically
1: (laughs) I know there is a big debate of versus like men and women's tennis and like could women actually hang with men tennis Mm -hmm. players and things like that and I hate that conversation and I think that this is part of that
0: and I hate all of it so much yes because like I de- like I don't care as much about men's tennis and like because it's all we we know the names we know who yes. it always is if, if they're all playing that it's gonna be um Nadal Federer or Djokovic though mm-hmm. it's, it's probably going to be some combination of those two in the final but the winner is going to be one of them like so I just I, gen- yeah. I just generally don't care as much even, but like when I watch them, I'm like, I just want Serena to win because I want her to beat that record. And I'm like, keep winning. <laughs> keep fucking yes. winning. I want a black woman yes. holding that title.
1: <laughs> and I think it's really cool that since then, two of the bigger players to come up and to actually like continue keeping a name um, have been um, Sloane Stevens is also mm-hmm. black. And then um, I'm totally blanking on her name, and I have been trying for, like, five minutes to remember it to make this point. But she's biracial. Madison K. And Kings. thank you. Yep. Jesus. <laughs> because, like, there have been other women that have, you know, and because um, there was a player, and I am totally blanking on her name now, but she was a white girl that, like, supported and everything. But, like, for medical reasons, she ended up having to retire. Mm. And, like, she's chronically ill and, like, couldn't do it anymore oh. and everything. And, um, like, I, I'm always very excited for the next generation. And I think yeah. it's really, really cool that what the people that are staying from the next generation also seem to be this force. hmm Yes. I really enjoyed this book um, from the standpoint that, like... There are no apologies made about the fact that she is religious, Mm -hmm. and I find that wonderfully fascinating. Yeah. As someone who is not religious, um, and I feel like a lot of people, when they write these essay collections and things like that, they either shy away from it or they Mm -hmm. openly are not religious. And I think it's really cool that Brittany Cooper um, not only writes an entire essay about her relationship with religion— and, like, admitting that, you know, there are a lot of issues and things mm-hmm. like that. But still, is like, at the end of the day, I still identify as a Christian woman and will continue to do so. And I don't know. I guess recently I heard someone talking about how there are a lot of scientific papers about how, like, the more degrees you have, the smarter you are, the less religious you are. mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: And... I didn't ever think I'd find it refreshing to find someone who is still religious. Yeah. So, but I think it is also because she's not like, a lot of religious people are going to be like, I'm going to put this in the hands of God or like, you know, making it very much at the end of the day, religion is the underlying foundation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and she is not.
0: Right. And she doesn't make excuses for the religion, like she yeah. looks at it critically and makes criticisms, like yeah, when she talks about how she, she, you know, experienced a lot of very preachy sermons that were usually directed at like black women and what they needed to do and why like mm-hmm. things are bad because you black women are not doing enough in the household or doing X, Y, and Z. Um, she criticizes that she's not ma- she does not make excuses for it and that's what I liked that it wasn't like trying to excuse it or just brush it aside or just ignore it totally. Like she calls it out, you know, which I think is, it's healthy to question things like that, you know? (laughs) Um, Yes. When she, when she talks about her grandmother, now her grandmother sits her down and was just like, I think you need to have sex. Like what? (laughs) First of all, what grandma? But you need to use some of those. Oh, Oh, what did the grandmother call them condoms but not she didn't say condoms
1: no oh what was it it was oh crap damn it
0: (laughs) it's gonna bug me it'll hit me at some point it also started with a c and it was
1: but it was hilarious i loved her grandmother yes
0: Uh, but like She wasn't ready yet because she was, like, she was, you know, a good church girl. Like, we're not doing that. I'm Mm -hmm. not married. Like, you know, she was saving herself. And um, one, after one preachy sermon, she went home and threw out her vibrator and all of her romance novels. Yes. Which, no, um, keep that shit. She wasn't ready yet (laughs) to question things. (laughs) But I just love that her grandmother was, like, a-realistic about it. She was like, you need to have some sex, but you also got to be safe um, for- for for the author for Brittany she felt like that was like that's her grandmother's way of saying that like you know the women's movement was good for black women too mm-hmm. um and she also and feminism is good for black women too like how her grandmother also talked about how she had good stuff <laughs> like <laughs> things that like fresh grandmas will tell you.
1: I enjoyed that she was repeatedly like, these are things that you don't want to hear come out of your grandmother's mouth. And I was like, yeah, I know. You're right. That's correct. Yeah. Correct. You um, think you want a, um, a grandmother who's going to tell you like it is and then it happens. And you're like, no, 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 right. no,
0: no. And this, I think this was her grandmother on her dad's side, right? Yes. Because she then talks about how her mom was a teen mom. And when her mom got pregnant with her, her mother, so her maternal grandmother, made her mother apologize to the congregation for getting pregnant as a teen, unmarried, that whole thing. So, just, God, I could not imagine. No, no.
1: I mean, I had a teen mom and I still can't. Um,
0: She also examines, like. White Christians voting Republican And talks about how like there's nothing in the Bible that challenges white supremacy Or the patriarchy
1: mm-hmm.
0: And that like So I didn't know this so She talks about how the conservative Biblical interpretations on the, the White religious right side of things Were in response to desegregation And Them feeling like Lyndon B. Johnson uh, Betrayed Southern Democrats I had I, No idea
1: I've i I don't know a lot about this, but I feel like yeah. it is something that is coming more and more to light. Like I don't know mm-hmm. if like there, there is a push to make sure that this continues to be known because this is also, if I'm not mistaken, when, um, it got changed from pedophile to homophobia or homo, uh homosexuals, um, like, I don't know. I definitely read an article recently, um. That was discussing this, like Mm -hmm. these things that you and I especially are like, this is something that we've heard our entire lives or, you know, whenever we went to church or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, aren't that old. Yeah. And so it doesn't, it didn't surprise me um, to hear that. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the section uh, I think this is entirely, like, the white white girl's tears, mm-hmm. or um, maybe it was orchestrated fury. It was all kind of interrelated about, like, um, how white women are the problem. And, like, I am a white woman. It is still hard to hear. I am very aware, well aware of, like, that, like, 2016 shed a lot of light on that for me.
0: And it's still hard to hear yeah because I mean, yeah like this was 2018 so obviously it was after the election like she does talk about that about white women voting for trump and how just like the history of of white women voting republican and like vote like in 2016 voting so clearly to of to not have a president like in their own image to have like yes what <laughs> like, just <Yeah>. and
1: <sighs> hillary is such like a con- controversial mm-hmm. character and i there is enough of me that wonders if um they had found another white elizabeth warren had a ran in 2016 if things had been different yeah um because hillary was just already so controversial. I, I honestly don't know either.
0: I um, think they would have found something about Elizabeth instead of a, her emails. I don't know what it would have been, but I feel like they would yeah. have found a different her emails and Benghazi yeah. and whatever. Like,
1: But also like hearing that that percentage of white women still went down for Trump, like that more women yeah. voted for Mitt Romney than they did for Obama or, mm-hmm. you know, when Obama. And also the discussion is like Obama as that like black magical man kind mm-hmm. of like I really enjoyed reading that because it makes a lot of sense like it's someone I I didn't I hate politics like I do but I also am fully well aware in 2021 um and have been for the last five years that like that is my privilege and like actively forcing myself to be more involved in you know up to date on politics So, like, this discussion of Obama and, like, what he had to, um, what people expected from him, that's what Mm -hmm. I'm going with, was genuinely fascinating. Like, it made a lot of sense. It's not something that I ever would have come to the conclusion myself. Yeah. Um, And then also, but she also, like, rags on him a good bit, which I think is wonderful. Like... Mm -hmm. I it, it is a little concerning to me um, That we're only five years removed from his Last year in office mm-hmm. And so many people Do seem to idolize him quite a bit On the left And it's
0: like no he did still make
1: mistakes He yeah, still
0: Everyone makes yes. mistakes Like, And it's okay Like I talked about her with the church It's okay to make criticisms Yes Which, which that's the other thing that just blows my mind about the Trump presidency is just how down all the Republicans, well, not all, because some are now finally calling for him to be impeached or whatever, like how after he incited a riot, like it took that, but whatever, like how many of them are just so down for everything he did, like he can do no wrong, and it's like, it's, it's okay, it's, it's it's a good democratic practice to criticize the leaders because yes. they should be like, and you shouldn't hold them up on a fucking pedestal. Like one of my favorite things after Biden won the announcement a million times since November, <laughs> um, like after each <laughs> them calling it multiple times um, was like, Oh, Biden won. Now watch me not wear his name. Yes. And, you know, brandish his flag for the next four years, like a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because, like, I think my favorite comment ever was, like, I just want to go back to, like, normally hating the president or normally criticizing the president. I just yeah. want to go back to, like, I'd
0: like to be able to criticize hating. for policy for policies or yes. things that he wants to put forward yes. instead of, hey, he incited a fucking riot or he put children in cages. Like, you know, like normal criticisms. Of a politician, like, so my sister watching
1: the inauguration. My sister made a comment that it the inauguration made her angry because there were so many people there, and yet there's so much pressure to only have maximum of ten people, and you know she hasn't had like been able to come visit family and like mm-hmm. all these other regulations that like so clearly the inauguration, even in its limited capacity. Was ignoring. Mm -hmm. And my first train of thought was to immediately defend because I just want to be like, no, we can't start criticizing. But she's not wrong.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And like, as I started watching through that lens, because it and that lens is going to be so hard to refine, um, Garth Brooks came on stage and sang and then started hugging and kissing cheeks to the point that NBC had to be like, we're just going to remind you that like the vigorous, (laughs) COVID isolation, like all the testing and everything that went on for anybody at the inauguration. I was like, Yeah, because you were also recognizing that like this is not something that should be on our screen. You're not setting a good example. Right.
0: Right. I did also have the thing of like we shouldn't be doing it this way because I was just very worried about these fucking psychos. Oh yeah. Yeah. More so about them trying to murder Kamala than Biden, if I'm being perfectly honest. It's like protect her at all costs like you know protect him too but like that was yes. my concern was nope we need to be inside I, like you're outside i know i know that they do the work i know the secrets are like i know they do their work to protect them and like it's not just like hey we're gonna go outside and do this thing in five minutes like there's planning but i was just like nope we need to be inside behind yes. bulletproof whatever you can live stream it if you need to but have like the minimal amount of people that you need to have there because also covid but my, mm-hmm. my first thought was really more about their safety in that sense than, than COVID. But I totally get that.
1: There's definitely some weird hatred for her mm-hmm. that I just... I don't... I I mean,
0: I chalk it up to just the fact that she's not a white woman. Mm-hmm. And it's bizarre. But I do like, too, how... I think it's, it's still in the white girl's tears chapter when um, let me find it my oh, notes blanked out oh, no. again with her criticizing things including herself, one of the things that she examines is her reaction to Bill Cosby mm-hmm. So I had not heard any of the Bill Cosby rumors until like a few years ago when like things actually right. happened from them like I had not, I had no idea but she talked about how like, it was easier for her to like ignore him blaming black women for the state of the black community and everything like that and putting it all on them and talking shit about black women, having multiple kids with multiple men and look what you're doing, blah, 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 and continue enjoying the show. And then it wasn't until these allegations came out where he basically started raping white women in the sixties and just from then on, you know, mm-hmm. and that the, like, so sort of like that mobilization at the behest of white women's tears because that I mean it was also like she would have had that same reaction if it had been black women that he'd been raping um but just it's like, like the women's march, right. yeah right would we have known would people have cared because enough people have to like talk about it like when oh god what was the, the comedian who made the joke about it that kind of brought it to light said he thought that everyone knew and that it was oh, common I knowledge. This. I cannot remember. But I, again, I had no idea. Yeah, no. I had no idea. Um, but yes, very good point. Would people have cared? And then would yeah. it have gotten the traction that it got if it had been black women that he had been assaulting? Um, it is
1: incredibly
0: difficult to. I don't understand how someone can read
1: these things that she writes, like that. There are police officers who definitely are taking advantage of their position and raping black women. And yet we don't hear anything about that. But if it was a black man doing it, it would be all over the news. And it is upsetting that there is absolutely nothing that I can point to that says
0: that's not true. (laughs) Right. Like she talks about how basically – black feminists will come for the black people men and women who like try to uphold like the patriarchy or like this toxic Mm -hmm. masculinity all that stuff whereas that doesn't really happen with by white feminists like she talks about the example with um 2016 nate parker's movie the birth of a nation about the slave rebellion led by nat turner Mm -hmm. i don't like go i will i just like i don't like watching movies about slavery like i don't need to see 12 years a slave to know that this shit was Price. bad and that they treated us like i fucking know <sighs> but i also have a thing about how it's like oh that'll get you an oscar because that's how these old white people yes. in the in the academy want to see black but whatever that's that's another issue <laughs> um roxane gay has a great article about that and i'm trying to remember which book it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm but like when the when it surfaced that he had been accused of raping a fellow college student years ago in 1999, I think it was, that was it. That movie did not do well. Like, mm-hmm. it, that was it. Black feminists came for that. Like, they were like, no, we're just because we believe women. Like, we believe women yes. when they say they are assaulted. Um, and this woman had, she died by suicide, I think, in 2012. So mm-hmm. wasn't here to, like, talk about it, um, unfortunately. But, like we believe women and even though this is supposed to be a great movie by this talented black actor and like did he write it I can't remember if you I think he was involved in with the production of the movie somehow besides just starring in it but we're like no and that movie did not do well I also have no idea what he's doing right now for work like no yeah right yeah Um, but then she compares it to um, a white cop killing a black man who was out of his vehicle at a traffic stop per her request his hands were up and raised mm-hmm. when she shot him. But, you know, she feared for her life. Uh, George Zimmerman, like, there's just many examples of yeah, them not, like, get your people, is basically what she says. Like, white feminists need to get your people. And, like...
1: Yeah, they're, they're so quick to... Um, one of the court cases she talks about where she had hoped that the white woman, or even the rest of the women, would identify with the mom... Who had lost their child.
0: That was Trayvon um, Martin. Okay, I wasn't sure if that yep. was the, the court That's case. the other thing, is you can't keep it straight because there's so fucking many examples. Yes. But yes, yes, it was Trayvon, I believe she was talking about with that one.
1: And they identified more with being afraid.
0: Yes. And... Because he was walking and looking at houses. I... Where do you look yes. when you walk? Exactly. And I...
1: I'm so fortunate. I know I've talked about this to have gone and lived in Brooklyn because um while for instance, I think all of my neighbors are black currently, if I'm not mistaken. My downstairs neighbors are Hispanic, but I do believe the apartment across from me and the I know the apartment next door to me uh is a black family. And like that's that's fairly normal, but I still had enough white saturation, I guess, of the suburbs living in Atlanta, going and living where I did in Brooklyn. I was the minority Mm -hmm. and it helped teach me. I don't want to say not to be afraid because I'm still a woman, but like, I, I don't. I don't know how to phrase any of this, I guess, is, like, it just was a different experience and, like, that I know had I done it on a vacation or just, like, randomly, like, gone to a neighborhood for a restaurant or something like that where I would have been uncomfortable as where instead, like, the neighborhood I lived in was so family-oriented and... I mean, there was still crime. My apartment got broken into within like my first six months of living there and things like that. But the neighbors I had looked out for me more than anywhere else. And like there was a there, I hope she's still there. Basically, like the grandmother of the apartment complex (laughs) didn't speak a lot of English. But she would check in with me. And if she didn't see me long enough time, she would berate me. Like, why are you not getting out enough and things like that. Mm. So it's like this privilege that I instinctively and academically am aware that I have. I'm trying to figure out new ways to challenge and and figure out how to just do better. Um, and it helped like moving into the apartment complex that I am in. Um, it is definitely, uh, a, a much more blended, um, apartment complex than what I lived in six years ago. And it's wonderful. And like, I definitely like have gotten some looks of people being like, how is she going to react or things like that? Or like, in and, and. My neighbor said something. I can't remember. And I made a comment back. But, like, I don't remember the entire interaction. But the way I said something, he immediately relaxed. And, like, we ended up having a 15-minute conversation. And then I found out, like, he had, you know. I have a lot of people from Jersey and New York in my apartment complex. So, but it was, like, very, very clear that at first he was worried that, um, I was going to be a problem,
0: <laughs>
1: like that kind of that kind of gotcha. problem, a Karen, if we want to be polite um, <laughs> and I know that like my neighbors across from me um have also occasionally given me a look of like because I stare at their porch or their because it's fucking beautiful it is like. <laughs> It is apartment goals. And they, there's definitely, there's like a lot of people that live there and things, and they have, but like they have set up their apartment. Their porch has like a space heater or something, and like it's all these lights. It's just decked out. It's so beautiful. And not <laughs> like that's why I'm looking, I don't give a shit that you're partying. Like, as long as like right. it's not 2 a.m., I don't give a shit. And so, but it, I am definitely feeling things now that I would not have felt. Or realized six years ago. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that I am presenting. And so reading things like this helps to, like, remind me to keep trying. Like, I'm never going to hit perfection.
0: Yeah. I think that's the thing is just continuing to do the work. Because it is going to be, like, continuous work. Important Mm -hmm. work. You know, that everyone needs to do to check all kinds of privileges like it maybe it sounds exhausting but it's also like it's important just do it (laughs) how exhausting is is it to be the people who don't have certain privileges like think about it that way maybe I don't know but yeah right I think that's good to like just continuing to do the work and being critical agreed Um, because I do like because, again, she's, she criticizes the black church. Like, she doesn't ignore it. Um, oh, there was one time she talks about her mother's eloquent rage. That uh, there was one day at church, I don't know if it was, like, during a church service or some other type of thing. But, basically, the preacher was going on about shaming black single mothers, you know, for not raising kids with a, in a traditional family with the dad and, you know, all that. And her mom was just sitting next to her just shaking her head. And the preacher saw that and was like, you, you, you don't agree. And she just said, no, <laughs> like, I don't think she, I don't think her mom went into it, but she let it be known that this was not okay. And that she was not okay with mm-hmm. it using that rage, being, being critical. Um, another thing was when she talks about Eldridge Cleaver um, of the Black Panther party, his book soul on ice, this is this is this is some difficult stuff. A lot of content warnings for sexual assault. Um, that basically, in it, he wrote that he felt that um, basically the white man made the black woman the symbol of slavery, and therefore women, white women, the symbol oh, yes. of freedom. So when he was with a black woman, he was with like in bed, like he was hugging slavery, you know. Whereas when he's with a white woman, it's freedom. So he decided. He was going to become a rapist, but he practiced on black women first in the ghetto and then moved on to white women. There's a lot there. Yeah. And again... I think it's important to criticize and not just say like, Oh, he was great because he was in the black Panther party. Like they did a lot for the black community and trying to push for, you know, equal rights and everything and defending the black community. Like we need to recognize this
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and like not brush it aside and pretend or pretend that it's okay or that it didn't happen or that he didn't fucking say it and then do these things. Um, And then to also recognize that, can you say that he did such great things for the black community if part of what he did was raping black women? This is me now, like, saying that. Yeah, no, yeah. How can I say that? Because it's like, oh, so no, you were just just black men. Because you didn't give a shit about black women because you felt that those were the ones that it's okay to rape so you can practice on them.
1: I think this book, if it had a central thesis question or statement or something is definitely calling out black men for the damage yes. that they've done Yes. for the image and, and development or not development um mm-hmm. progression of black women's rights
0: yeah like you expect black women to stand up for you mm-hmm but you don't want to stand up for them.
1: Yes, that and the, not how that works. And the discussion of like black men who grow up without a father and how they overcorrect in some ways and mm. being amazing fathers for their children. And then she's called out and was like, "But why not a better partner yes, to your that spouse?" Was
0: so good. That was and I glorious. Stopped.
1: Yes. <laughs> I was in Second and Trials, which is a used bookstore around the corner for me,
0: mm-hmm. and I, which I stopped. want to visit when I come visit you, because <laughs> you've talked about it multiple times.
1: It is, it is wonderful. Um, yeah, no, I was like, "Fuck, that mm-hmm. is an amazing question," because yeah. a lot of men leave because, yeah, they're not, they're either treating their wives wrong or they want something better from a woman, and all of it is boils down to make your relationship it's better for the kids when your parents are happy or when you know their parent figures are working it out
0: yes and like because my parents didn't stay together but because i saw that they interacted well till i was in high school that that set a good foundation for me so and it was good for me then to then also see them happy with other people now yeah I'm sure that those who had the parents together in the home this whole time happy together, it was good for them to see that too, you know? Exactly, Yeah, It's important, but, like, that was such a good point on her part Um, because she was dating a guy who had one or two kids, I think, Mm
1: -hmm. and he
0: wants to be the best dad because his dad wasn't there. And so she just points – because at this point in their relationship, like, uh, he hadn't, like, taken her out. Like, he wasn't putting in the effort. At least that's what I saw from – yeah maybe past experience on my part like putting in the effort of taking her out on a date and doing these things for her not when she has to fucking ask for it like do these things but she did it's not like it's also not like she was just stewing about it she would bring it up and he's like yeah I know I know and like isn't doing it so then she makes this point I was just like that's like a mic drop right there but she like did it in a way of let's have a conversation it's like it's a good like she wasn't like screaming or yelling because then i don't think he would have hurt her you know no. would have just been like ah
1: it was like a conversation. based on a
0: movie they had just seen or something yes yes and then she just had yeah. that mic drop and he i think he said he needed to think about that yes yeah but like and i it's so powerful yeah oh she talks about the Moynihan report which is something mm-hmm. i knew that came up a lot when my women's studies classes um. This report, basically, the findings were just to say that, you know, black men need to take their place back in the household, shaming black women for, like, emasculating black men, basically. And, like, I, hate I just that so much cannot with that.
1: Like, the entire discussion of strong, smart women and how that mm. is in, is a problem mm-hmm. for men. Mm hmm. That's something men need to work out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like how because of that, I de- – old...
1: de- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I, I definitely made a joke last night um, and said something like, greeting's not my strong point. And my friend was like, I'm pretty sure that's, like, the opposite of you. And I was like, yes, but men don't like strong women. That's what I need to start. <laughs> Entirely fucking kidding. <laughs> But it was entirely a reaction to my anger from this book. hmm
0: Yeah, she talks about he, how, like...
1: He ignored the comment. He was like, fuck yeah. all this.
0: Because <laughs> she talks about how, like, the older she gets and then the more educated she gets. She's a fucking professor. Like... Yeah. Study show. Like, the... I can't remember what the statistics were for, like, older... Not, I'm not, like, even talking, like, 70. I'm talking, like, 30s, 40s. Older women highly educated that aren't married. Not that you have to yes. get married. Marriage is not the end all be all, but it was just an interesting statistic to hear.
1: Yes. And hearing and... her struggle with dating and finding men and like trying to settle for something less than what she deserves mm-hmm. and things like that. Like I appreciated that because it is something that I struggle a lot with internally um, because I have a job where I make a lot of money and things like that. Like I don't like <laughs> I, I related a lot to that and appreciated it while also being like
0: fuck I cannot imagine this being worse than it is. Mm-hmm. And there was a conversation she had with a guy a black man who I want to say she thought was like, ooh, like maybe a good match for her, where before Barack Obama got the nominee, or the, the nomination, mm-hmm. um, they were chatting about it, but it was looking like he was going to be the nominee um, for the Democratic Party, that he said something like, yeah, I just, I don't know why Michelle hasn't quit her job yet.
1: <laughs> and yes. Brittany was
0: like, what? <laughs> he was like, well, she basically needs, like basically his stance was she needs to give up her job to support Barack's mission. Or, like, his mm-hmm. vision, like, his plans. And I was like, first of all, why? Second of all, who are you to say that she is not already, like, she's, she's, how could you say that she is not currently supporting him? That, oh, so yes. that, okay, this supporting her man needs to be her full-time job. No, I understand that the presidency is a different job than, say, like, what I do. <laughs> However. Agreed. Yes. What? But this that idea is,
1: that a whole idea of, like, a woman's job, a woman's life, a woman's purpose
0: mm-hmm.
1: immediately becomes about the man yeah and it is no longer as important she was talking about how she no longer dates feminists for this conversation
0: <laughs> oh yeah because he was a feminist that's right yes he said he was a feminist so now she looks for men who actually like women <laughs> Yes, they're not using that buzzword of oh i'm a feminist <laughs> yes Oh, I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, it's just, I mean, I know this came out in 2018, but this mm-hmm. is clearly like she is, I believe, 40 now. Mm-hmm. And it is just knowing that 40 years ago was 1981 and shit still hasn't changed. Oh, wait.
0: I think she was born in 80, so she might be is almost she, 41. She, okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Just knowing that, like, shit hasn't changed. And, like, I don't know. I cannot imagine giving up my life for a man's, like, unless there is a reason. But even still, like,
0: I don't know. Yeah. For a man's vision. Right. Right.
1: I'd almost be happy. Like, if I was to get married and have children, which, whatever. Um, if I found a stay-at-home guy, eh, fine. Sure. Yeah. I don't... I, okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: Save on daycare. <laughs> daycare is expensive. Daycare.
1: Which is disgusting here, too. Like, the different ways to keep down black women, like... The cost of, you know, daycare and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like, you're forcing women to have kids. And then you basically ruin their financial situation for things like that.
0: Mm -hmm. That's insane. There's no support.
1: But I do like, she also, that that guy, like, she talks about how um, she saw him a few years later, like, married or whatever. And, like, Mm -hmm. um, the, the idea of joy, like... Yes. Dating someone um who brings you joy.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And how important that is. Yeah. It's super important. <laughs> like I did like where in that same chapter she talks about how she was at Panera one night eating dinner after class and a guy working there like slid her a note basically that asked for her number. And so instead of like turning her nose up at the guy who works for at Panera like I am a professor I cannot she went out on a date with him now she does say how she did stop dating him but like it wasn't just like she talks about how they went on a date um I don't think he had a car I don't know she picked him up dropped him back off at his dad's where he lived but like they date, they saw each other a few times but she also said the sex was mediocre can't have that but that she noticed when he was like looking around her apartment She could tell that it was sort of like Oh like you have a nice place Like plans for him to possibly move in yes. Not like right away But she basically said I'm not going to be a man's come up Which is also important <laughs> like, Yes No Yes
1: Men are difficult
0: Yeah Oh okay Her dad <sighs> So Whew, that was a lot. Um, and I re- that was I had gotten past that chapter. Uh, it's called The Smartest Man I Never Knew. Mm-hmm. i had gotten past that. But when my first read through, I started this over when we decided to read it for the podcast. Um, basically, her mom was dating a guy named Bob who had been, I want to say, in the Vietnam War. He was in the military. Mm-hmm. They break up. She starts dating another guy that she start that she's calling man. So mom is dating man who had also been in the military, also in the war. Bob sees them together, shoots mom 3 times and man one time because mom had left him. So, and he had the audacity, the aw fucking audacity to call her family to see if she'd survived. Like, what? Oh. Now, her brother did drive around with a shotgun looking for him, which I was like, you know what? Good. Yes, <laughs> I am good Because, like, yeah. Her mom was 18 years old. And then also, her mom obviously survived. Because then she found out she was also pregnant with the author at the time of the fucking mm-hmm. shooting. Like, crazy. Crazy. Her dad also survived. Mm-hmm. But her memories of her dad are like, when he left the house, he would just basically beat when he would come back like he would basically like just terrorize her mom fighting with her mom yelling scream like a lot like just (sighs) terrible so she talks a lot about how (sighs) one doing the things that you see your parents doing because that's what he saw his dad doing to his mom then you've also got the time in the military in the war the things that you saw there not getting adequate, like, yes. remotely adequate support when you get home for also your mental health. It was a lot. This It was a, a lot to examine. And I thought she did a really good job, like, really just, like, digging through it. Because that's, that's, that's yeah. a lot to work through.
1: And she does it in a way that is very clear, like... I don't know if I want to say she's forgiven her father, but like hmm. she's accepted
0: his what life. Happened? Yes, yeah. Yeah. and can talk about it. Right. I think the fact that she can talk about it, yeah, let alone like write about is, it, yeah, is amazing. Yeah. Um, and her dad was killed when she was in fourth grade. Um by another man mad at ah, she wasn't sure if it was she got bits and pieces as she got older but she was he was mm-hmm. with a girl like a, a girlfriend and she wasn't sure if it was like an ex-boyfriend of hers or like the landlord someone was mad about something and he tried to intervene and they killed him um
1: and he had so been shot why. like once a year because yeah. like when she gets like her mom's like your dad's been shot she's kind of like
0: but that's what that's he does not new yeah right like he he was shot multiple times before that, yeah. and always survived. But this this time, obviously not. Yeah. Um. But that's why it's the smartest man she never knew because then she would hear things from different people about how smart he was and like, oh gosh, I can't remember who it was that told her that they knew maybe a teacher who said that he knew her dad, mm-hmm. and was just telling her about like yeah I gave him a ride one time and he was talking about all sorts of things like politics I think and like just worldly things like things that you just. He wasn't expecting to come up. Um, but then she goes on to compare it to oh gosh. Let me see what year this was. Okay. So then she compares it to in twenty fourteen, um, the kidnapping of all the young women in Africa by Boko Haram mm-hmm. and how like U.S. military involvement it's a tricky subject like I get it I get it I get it it is like whatever but I just feel like if there's ever a time to like use your fucking military it would be to save these young girls that were fucking kidnapped um no no but there was a lot of talk on like the left of not like just of not doing it and it was just like oh so these little black girls are not worth worth the time or worth the effort That was a hard one. Yeah. And that it was just difficult to, especially from like black men who didn't support at least an attempt at rescuing these girls.
1: I am so curious. She talks about like uh, how she has these. um, Oh, I forget what she calls them. But basically, epiphanies because of conversation with other women.
0: Oh, yeah, like the black girl, homegirl interventions?
1: Yes, the homegirl interventions. Yeah. I am so curious if she's had therapy. Because she discusses different types of trauma in a way that seems like she... Has had so much therapy. I don't know. Um, like everything about her father definitely should be enough to break a person. The whole discussion of her childhood and being an intelligent woman Mm -hmm. and that, like, and how that led to her essentially getting bullied her entire life like, that's Mm -hmm. enough of a trauma for one person.
0: I think because I. I know her dad died when she was in fourth grade but I thought there was mention of her mom being able to get her into therapy when she was in eighth grade because she was like up at night she was anxious her mom did get her into therapy when she was in eighth grade and I don't know I'd imagine that she probably if not kept it going resumed yeah to continue working things out as an adult like as she's needed you know yeah I don't know there's just a lot to parse here that
1: it's like yeah good for her for having done so (laughs)
0: Yeah. Lessons for everyone. Therapy is very helpful. Yes. Consider it.
1: Her whole discussion on being an intelligent black woman and like, essentially how she was told that that made her really special and things like that. And part of it, like, the realization that, like, is it is she special or is it like that she had this community behind her and like how many other kids didn't have that, like had the teacher Mm -hmm. that had her, you know, re like was like reevaluate her test and, and yes. And things like that. And I don't know, part of me is like, that is entirely like gifted children syndrome. Like you grow up and eventually realize you are not the most intelligent person. Yeah. But it is that added bonus of how broken our
0: education system is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She does talk a little bit of, about, like, when she first gets to Howard, how she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I am not the only, like, immediately, like, day one, learned that she was not the only smart, um, like, exceptional black child, black student. Yes. And that that was, like... Humbling, and also I think a bit freeing for her mm-hmm. to learn, because that's it's also good. it's like a lot of pressure, like you know, to be like really you got to do so great, you know, like yeah. So, but yeah, definitely a reflection on the education system, like yeah, because it like how many other students could have gone on that didn't like go as high as her education wise because they didn't have either like the support team or the resources or both, you know. Mm-hmm to do so and how it also played out in like these
1: stereotypical roles in her community like she had the cousin that got knocked up as a teenager and Mm -hmm. how she was the stereotype of you know the smart black girl going off to college and and the comment her mother makes about how to ignore them like they're already set on their path when she's like nine yeah, And all of that I'm just
0: I look that like she, Because she like I know Religion was part of it for her like not mm-hmm. Having sex but another part of it was Because she was not going to be a teen Mom like her mom or like her cousin Or like the friends that she had like the people She grew up with and I was like I yeah. feel that Because when I was in yes. high school I remember seeing I remember I think it was Sophomore year maybe Sophomore maybe into junior year like a friend Of mine or I just felt like a bunch of girls getting pregnant, basically. And, like, in senior year, too. In their (laughs) senior year. And I was just like, that's not going to be me. Yeah. I I am not doing that. So I was like, I am not having sex until after I graduate. And I got pretty close. But, like, I was just like, no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) I was the same way
1: because I had a teen mom and because my best friends, you know, had a teen mom. So I was Mm -hmm. very much, like, feeling the odds against me. I mean, I you know, I small town Arkansas is, uh, like... That's where I'm from. Like I, that's not where mm-hmm. I graduated or anything like that. But like, I don't know. Still yeah. felt that pressure. I, like, yeah, we just need a better sex education all around. Yes,
0: well, my I mom watched... was just like, you know, can't get pregnant. And I remember very clearly <laughs> once she was like oh, uh, I think you should go on birth control. And I was like, what? Because my mom did not talk about sex with me. It was, here's a book, read this, when I was in like middle school, I think. And then she just kind of left it up to the school to teach me whatever they taught me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, we don't talk about this. And I also was not ready. And I had the feeling that if I went on the pill, I might be like, okay, I'm, I'm, let's do it even though I'm not ready. Right. So I was like, no. And she was like, okay, but when you're ready, just tell me we will make an appointment. Mm-hmm. You will go to the doctor, and we'll get you set up. So when I t- – and, like, I was very curious if it was going to be – because it almost felt like a like a no questions asked type of thing is what she was telling me she would do. And I was curious if she was going to do that. And so when I did tell her, that's what happened. She was just like, okay, let's I'll make the appointment. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, we still didn't really talk about it. I just said, I think I'm ready to go on the pill. And she was like,
1: okay. <laughs> like, My mother and I recently – had a conversation where I mentioned something about when I was on birth control or something, and she's mm-hmm. like, "When were you on birth control?" I was like, "At fifteen, mom, you were there." The conversation <laughs> we had was, "Now that I am on it, you didn't want to know." She's like, "Why did you get on birth control?" I was like, "Cause I had hormonal issues. I like had oh my god, with mom. My <laughs> like my mother has blocked this out. She's like, I don't remember this. I'm like, what? Like this defining moment for me as a teen. My mother."
0: absolutely is like does not remember wow whereas i know my mom like she told me once years later because like she would pick up the prescription whatever Mm -hmm. and like for school i remember the doctor i had like when i was going into because this was like the end of senior year like april may i told her and so I was going into college and I remember they would just, she would just, gi- the doctor would just give me sample packs. So like I'd have a prescription for like a year, but then she'd give me like five, like oh, here. Like she just gave them out like candy and I was like, okay. That's amazing. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I remember my mom telling me that my stepdad didn't know I was on the pill until I don't, I think years into it. I think she might've asked him or said she needed to go or maybe asked him to get it once when he was out and he didn't know like what it was and he like, he had no idea. And I was just like, well. <laughs> Hell yeah, we can yeah, be like, safe here.
1: I was strictly on it for to regulate hormones and and everything because they were trying to figure out what was wrong with yeah. uh, my period. And my mother has blocked this from her memory, and I just find that wow. so fascinating. Yeah, she's like, I don't know okay. what you're talking about. And then, like to be fair, it was sixteen, seventeen years ago. Like,
0: true, true.
1: a lot of things have happened since then. Yes. But, uh, so... <laughs> she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, yes, I'm sure yes, because I remember, I remember taking this. Yeah, I remember how depressed it made me. Like, what? Oh, no. Yeah. I do appreciate... This is going to sound very strange. Um, Brittany is a straight woman, from what we can gather. hmm And I appreciate that because there's all this discussion about how important female love is.
0: Yes. And, like,
1: having girlfriends and also that questioning moment of like am i gay like what and like the fact that she had someone in her life who was like no that's just puberty like your body's got a lot of hormones give it a few minutes and like <laughs> i don't know maybe she she may like she may be bisexual or biromantic or something but i don't know it was nice to get this conversation about how important platonic love is and mm-hmm. also how queer it is at the same time to be like, you can't love women and also not be a
0: little queer. Yeah. She talks about how feminism basically boils down to loving women. Yes. that That's like in the simplest terms. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Women
1: are amazing. And if you any woman who doesn't have women friends, female friends. Run. That is not in <laughs> your life. That person is going yeah. to be a problem.
0: One of the things that she talks about was when she was younger, she loved the babysitters club books. She started a babysitters club and then her mom was like, "No." So she had to give back the dues, which I thought was adorable. Yes. But she just loved that idea of these, like, strong young women doing their thing. And then she reflects on the shows that she likes, like Gilmore Girls, Sex in the Mm -hmm. City, Living Single. Like, strong women doing their thing. Like, yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe that's why I rewatch Sex in the City periodically. (laughs) Because, like, (laughs) there are definitely some problems with it, for sure. Like, that's another episode. There's definitely some problems.
1: (laughs) No, I mean,
0: same with Gilmore
1: Girls. I've been watching, or I've been following this guy who's watching Gilmore Girls. He like came in and found his roommate watching it. His Uh white roommate. He's a black guy. Oh, they have a podcast. No, this is this is there is a podcast of two guys talking about Gilmore Girls. Yes, but this is this is a guy who is on Instagram and TikTok talking about him watching Gilmore Girls, and I am. Loving seeing this, like, problematic fave through his eyes in 2020 and 2021. Yep. And, like, these characters. Like, like, I really love the grandmother in that show. And him Mm -hmm. being like, no, no. She is a terrible person. No.
0: (laughs) He's also watching Bridgerton. I need (laughs) you, because that man is fucking gorgeous. Good God. God. There are some boxing scenes
1: with him and his best friend who is also a black guy mm-hmm. and he, the guy's like i am straight i am straight but you cannot watch that scene and not feel some things <laughs> Feel some things. <laughs> <Like>, <laughs> i appreciate this so much
0: i was just even though sex in the city is problematic i am very curious how they are going to address the samantha thing in the in the reboot so i i don't know if i'm gonna watch but i'm definitely gonna like read reviews to figure out what they do what samantha thing she's not coming back oh and it's like you can't oh they hated each other didn't they yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah um she just doesn't want to do it it's like a strong woman good for you saying no because you don't want to do it her thing is like kim control is like i don't want to spend like i can't remember what the quote was something like i don't even want to spend one moment doing something i'm not happy about i'm like good for you so she doesn't want to do it and they're still moving forward and, like, you can't have sex in the city and not address Samantha. So, like, in the first movie, she lives in L.A. She doesn't live in New York. However, she's in the movie. So, they I don't think they can justify it by saying she's moved. I think they're going to have to kill her off. Like, I have no idea what else they're going to do.
1: I am now curious. Yeah. yeah i like, very curious. Seriously, good for her, like, because that's – I have – I think I've watched an episode of Sex and the City, and, like, I worked at a theater during, I think, when the second movie came out. And so, like, what I know is through osmosis, but what I do know is that she and Sarah Jessica Parker hated each other.
0: Yes, although, like, there were rumors about it, and then I think for the sake of the show and the movie, they both were like, no, and then it was like, no, because, like, Kim's brother died, and Sarah, like responded like sent condolences online she was like i don't need this like i don't know i think she called it fake shit from you or something and i don't it was just it was a lot so i was like okay so no you really now that the show and the yeah. movies are over it's, it's out there
1: yeah um, that publicity is not yeah. although
0: sarah jessica parker i think maintains that she's still loves her i don't know but yeah Yeah. i'm just i'm very curious what they're gonna do because you can't have sex in the city and not address one like one woman can't be missing and then you just pretend that she's not there like it wouldn't work for any of them
1: we are so off topic i'm so sorry
0: yep i don't even know um it was related because she talked about shows so it's her fault (laughs)
1: I do like her discussion because, like, I know Roxane Gay has also talked about loving, like, Sweet Valley and mm-hmm. maybe also Baby Babysitter's Club and things like that and, like, loving white culture stuff and, like, but I like the discussion here of, like, I know what it's like to be a black girl and, like, um, not as an excuse to, like, not have black media. I'm never going to argue that, right. but... I like that she is so frank about it. Yeah. Like, when Babysitter's Club adds Jessie, she just didn't really care for Jessie's books because she knew what it was like to be a black girl, and mm-hmm. also they didn't write them well. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, right. I agree. It's kind of that thing of, like, when... <sighs> Was it in this book or did I read this somewhere else where like the creation of, let's say, a black show or a black movie or a black book asking them, well, what is the white audience going to get out of that? Like, do you ever yes. ask that of the white book or the white show what the black audience or the people of color audience is going to get out of it? No, you don't, because white's the default and you just yes. expect people of color to jump on board or in like, I don't know, it's like. Also that, is, is like,
1: that is discussed in this, yeah. Okay, it is this. Okay. I was like, I yeah. know I
0: recently, but because of the memo, I was like, did it come up in there? It might have.
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel like it is something that should be discussed until we find a way to not have to question that. Because it goes back to the whole discussion of when there is a show that is predominantly people of color, whether it's a predominantly Hispanic show or predominantly black show or whatever. And it's like, even if it's not good feeling like you need to support it because there doesn't need to be another excuse on the table to show less. Wait, say that again. Um, Even when you don't like, there's so few Shows that are geared, not geared, that are predominantly actors of color or anything, Mm -hmm. that you feel like you have to support it even when you don't like it. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you're giving another excuse as to why they shouldn't do it.
0: Yeah. Because it's like there was a joke. Oh, God, I can't think of her name. She's a comedian. I want to say she made the joke on The Daily Show. Um, it was about when Wonder Woman was coming out. I think like how it needs to be great. It needs to be so good because it's a it's a superhero movie, but led by a woman. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, why does it have to? Why does it have to be the end all, be all? You you had Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Yet you, you still keep making superhero movies <laughs> with exactly. men in the lead roles, and that one sucks. So it's kind of like that, like the pressure that it has to be this like amazing, amazing thing, mm-hmm. and also just like. There used to be way more options. Like in the '90s, there were so yes. many different shows, movies that had predominantly black casts or cast of co- like wh- I don't know what happened. I don't either. Yeah, and there's definitely there's been a few things that it's
1: like the romance novel industry, and how much that is carried by black mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. and yet. It's so hard for authors of color to break in, and yeah, um, there was another thing recently that like something in media that was like, oh, I can't remember but it was like no shit, like black women have loved this for decades, and you're acting like it's news or something, mm. and yeah, I just
0: <sighs> it's just I'm curious like. Let's even going back to like the '90s when we had the Fresh Prince, we had Family Matters, Sister Sister. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm curious to know, like, did when they were creating those shows, did they ask the the creator the question of, well, what is a white a white audience member going to get out of this? You know,
1: yeah, because I watched all of those without any second yeah. guessing or thought. Like, I mean,
0: was it Family yeah. Matters on was Family Matters on TGIF? Hmm. Family With like Boy was. Meets World, Sabrina, like white shows, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, yeah. I don't know. I just, it's like, I don't think we need to ask the question of what is a white person going to get out of this? Like, let's yeah. just just make it. Just do it.
1: I recently started watching, rewatching That's So Raven. Oh. Because I, I needed something for background noise. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. This is all on Disney Plus. I'm really curious. Did you know they made a remake or like a revival of that? They did, yeah. I, like recently, like in the past two or three years.
0: I feel like, like it's Raven is um, Raven and Chelsea's moms. I feel like talk of that sounds like something I heard, but I don't think yeah. I realized that it had already happened. Yeah, like several seasons have been made. I was I was surprised. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if they'll do like a sister because I definitely went back and rewatched Sister Sister when that guy Same. added to yes. Um, to Netflix, like I really want to do a rewatch, like a watch of Living Single, but I know I only caught, I didn't consistently watch it enough mm-hmm. to be able to watch it during the day, so I need to like sit down and make time for that one.
1: I remember being very excited when Sister, Sister and Smart Guy lined up time wise, <gasps> yeah. where I could watch both after school or something before doing homework or something, and like that is a very prominent memory of like really being like yes. TV yeah. is good this afternoon
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> definitely.
1: yeah I just it yeah I don't know I'm assuming something with when the the WB and CW or UPN bought out UPN, and that, yeah that had to do with it and Disney like has ruined I mean Disney of the <laughs> 90s and early odds is very different than Disney now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you can even look at, like, Girl Meets World wanted to be deeper and and do some things similar that they did on Boy Meets World. And they were told no, and that's why Girl Meets World got canceled.
0: Oh, I yeah. didn't
1: know that. Yes. It is hard to watch because Boy Meets World, for me, like, that, there's a lot. Like, Boy Meets World, Sister, Sister, and Smart Guy
0: mm-hmm.
1: are the shows that I for sure remember watching that like taught me the things I was going to experience as teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like like those were my friends being asked if they wanted to drink or whatever. Yeah. And to go back and watch Girl Meets World where it's like a very shallow interpretation.
0: Oh, that's disappointing. Yes. It was it was not great. Mm. I feel like I saw, like, one episode of Girl Meets World because it was on at my my mom's house when I went over once. But, like, yeah.
1: I like the episodes where people come back. Outside of that...
0: Yeah. Because yeah. that's the nostalgia factor there. Yes. That's entirely yeah.
1: it. Outside of that, it was not great. Damn. Yeah. Mm. I love how she ends this book. Mm-hmm. As, like, and she discusses it as, like, a, the way a sermon would be ended mm-hmm. on a very, like, positive
0: note. Yeah. And it made me cry. Because I happy things make me cry. Because <laughs> she, like, I think it's also, too, it's like, we just talked about a lot of heavy shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I probably told you some stuff that you didn't know mm-hmm. or forgot about. Like, it, it, this was a lot. And things may seem, like, hopeless <laughs> when you read <laughs> All this stuff, like back to back to back. So I love that the last chapter is titled "Joy," and that she said it's irresponsible to wreck things without offering tools to rebuild. And I was like, yes. "Okay."
1: <laughs> I loved that.
0: Yeah. And uh, like her her benediction starts off with "May you have joy," and it was like just like yeah, even in spite of all the craziness, like find your joy and i like when she talked about the like the difference between happiness and joy that happiness is like predicated on happenings like events whereas joy arises from your like you having clarity about like your purpose like you knowing what you need to do in this world
1: they can't give you joy and they can't take it away right right
0: and that she also encourages you to leave with still asking questions, like, be curious, like, ask those questions, like, learn more about things. And that may your rage be a force for good. Yes. And, like, Are, using it.
1: That whole, the, the focus on rebuilding rather than destroying mm-hmm. yeah. is something that I think... If I had a classroom, that would be the quote on my wall. Yeah. The quote she has about that. Because I feel like that is something between cancel culture, between the Trump administration and the, the pushback from the Trump administration. Essentially, what I'm talking about is the left side right now. And I feel like a lot of that focus is so negative and is on the destroying and we need to remember the second half
0: yeah i mean like i think with everything going like i think it's important for like the call for unity
1: oh i hate that yeah no not talking about that yeah, not talking okay. about that at all. Okay. No. I am talking about how, like... If you're going to try to destroy everything that the Trump administration did, have good things to put in place. If cancel culture is a thing... I don't know. This metaphor starts to fall apart a little bit if I think about it too deeply. But... <laughs> I don't, I guess for me, I, I took it as like a, we focus so much on tearing down and the negative to just remember good stuff and the good that comes out of it. Like, again, I guess the whole going back to um, seeing a video of Dr. Biden and, and Madam Vice President and having that first gut feeling of is this staged Mm. and then the second reaction being i don't fucking care i'm going to enjoy it yeah it's going to make me happy no i am not someone who's like let's reach across the island no i'm not (laughs) saying
0: that yeah because i like when he said that i was just like no (sighs) because you know who i'm never going to unite with white supremacist why Because they want to fucking kill me so no i'm not gonna try not and anyone who supports them and what they did on this no yeah (laughs) no no no
1: and also like they're still not accepting it they're still not they still
0: are like something in march and trump's gonna come back and it's like right and like those who are like oh impeaching him would not be good for the country What the fuck do you mean so that he can come try this again? So someone else can come try to do like the next dictator will be successful. They'll be smarter than him. And because you let this slide, they'll be successful. No, you need to impeach and jail the absolute shit out of him. Mm -hmm. And something needs to happen to Ted Cruz and fucking Holly for encouraging the rioter like they can't well, insane.
1: I thought Ted Cruz got better at one point like I feel like there was yeah. a point two years ago or something where like maybe Ted Cruz I thought had had like a come to Jesus realization.
0: It I must mean... have been
1: someone else <laughs> like know. at this point like I've just accepted that it must have been someone else that I confused yeah. with Ted Cruz
0: because I... he like.
1: They're so, they're more focused on what's going on in Paris than in the US. No, that is not.
0: Yeah. No. <sighs> right. right. I can't, like, I just, and I also just don't, like, okay. I don't understand how one would support this president who fucking talks shit, not just about you, but your wife, who is not the politician who was also wanted to be president. Like, right. what (laughs) oh okay he's he's a great president he's a great man He just you know talk shit about my wife and it's totally fine like i'd also feel some kind of way if my husband did that like i mean you wouldn't be my husband for for long but you know i have (laughs) crazy
1: i want to say something that is going to make someone's ne- s- neck snap from whiplash. I have some respect from Pence for showing up to the inauguration. It is probably Ugh, because he's
0: going really to try intense. to run in twenty twenty four. Oh yeah, and like wants to just give yeah. him a good appearance. But you know what? Like, because mm-hmm. then he can say, "Look, I was trying to do yep. the um, yep. the the peaceful transition. I was there." But uh, nah, I just Pence. like the bar so low <laughs> that I'm like, I have just. This
1: little tiny crumb of respect for anybody that tried to Tried
0: I don't. I've, it's like the question of is this staged that that's feel staged? So I. No, oh, it's I, so staged. Yeah. Nope. nope yeah. No respect for you. I don't know. I'm so tired. <laughs> I had no respect for you when you d- accepted to be his v- vice president. So really, anyone who accepted to be his vice president, I was never going to respect. Like this is very true. Yeah. yeah. Also, I just. just... just... Yeah anyway back to joy <laughs> back to how she ended the book on joy <laughs> the may your budget. rage be a force for good and still find the joy even when you're doing the hard work <laughs> yes yes we still have a lot of hard work to do yes before we get into what we're reading next for jbc for our 2021 challenge do you know <laughs> what you're reading that is not for the podcast
1: Um, I am definitely going to read The Secrets of Camp, whatever. I've started it. It will happen. Um, Outside of that, I am going to read... Okay. Uh, I am going to read The Silvered Serpents by Roshani Chachki, um, which is the sequel book to The Gilded Wolves, which I read. Um, It is essentially A Bunch of Thieves in France very excited
0: cool what about nice. you what are you going to read i have decided to because i bought all of the books for the reluctant royal series yeah um, and i've reread the first two so i'm moving on to a duke by default by Alyssa cole so that i can continue on with that series i want to finish it
1: <laughs> please oh i know why it's showing me this okay please let me know when you start it i may like be like you know what i'll just read this again really quick okay <laughs> those books so much nice <laughs> i am a little bummed that we're not and doing like that it didn't line up to do romance in february
0: mm, yeah but yeah. also that's okay that's okay we can read our own romances on the side which that's i also true. didn't realize that that's basically what i wait no yeah what i'm doing that is what, yeah. because <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll next record in february <laughs> or yeah yeah And so for February, the next two challenges, we've picked out what we're doing. The next challenge is read a non-European novel in translation. And we're going with The Graveyard Apartment by Mariko Koike, which was originally published in Japan in 1986. And I am very excited because it sounds like it's probably going to scare the hell out of me.
1: (laughs) Very excited.
0: Yep. Young family moves into a nice apartment, but it like harbors evil. And I want to say the synopsis I read said something about like, you'll never want to go in the basement. And I was like, oh man, my washer and dryer in the basement, but bring it on, (laughs) bring on the scares. (laughs) Yes,
1: I am ready. Yeah.
0: Yes. And then the next, the challenge after that is to read an LGBTQ plus history book. So we have gone with a desired past, a short history of same sex love in America uh, by, uh, I think it's Layla Mm -hmm. Roop. So I'm also excited to dive into that too.
1: Yeah, these are not books that are on Book Riot's um, recommendations, Mm -hmm. necessarily. These are ones that we had on our own lists. Mm -hmm. But as a reminder, Book Riot does have recommendations if you are also doing the challenge. And neither of these books sound good.
0: Yeah. Because to be honest, I bought one from their suggestions for the uh, non European novel and translation because I was like, this sounds amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> at some point, I'm going to be reading Celestial Bodies as well yes. <laughs> from their suggestion list. <laughs> All right. So you can always join, join us in two weeks for the Graveyard Apartment. Very excited. And then in the meantime, keep supporting your local libraries and don't forget to check out our network, Certain POV Network. Bunch of other fun, nerdy podcasts on there that you can check out, like Another Pass, uh, Certain Point of Yule, which I love that if you want to (laughs) continue the holiday joy and listen to people chat about holiday movies, that's the one. Or I've also really been enjoying Let's Rewatch, where they revisit movies from when we were kids. They did Blank Check. Do you remember this movie? I have heard this movie. I don't know if I've ever seen it, but it seems to be like something that our
1: generation fucking mm-hmm. loves
0: I so I watched it as a kid and I have like I had bits and pieces like of memories of what it is like somehow this kid gets like a blank check and he gets he puts a lot of money on it somehow and I don't know how I couldn't remember how but he ended up buying like a house and a bunch of shit and toys and like <laughs> bad guys were after him for that money that he stole and so I did listen to their episode on that one and I was just like wow I forgot a lot of these things and that there's like An inappropriate kiss with, like, an FBI agent, like, on the lit like, an adult, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, man. (laughs) it's actually a memory. (laughs) Shit. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, I'm going to... I did not... I don't know. I didn't watch it, but I just listened. And I was like, maybe I should watch and then listen to theirs. But, yeah. yeah, I'm also going to throw
1: in Screen Mm -hmm. Snark. Um, I Mm -hmm. am guesting on there, uh, I do believe, the same week that this episode drops. But also, like... The way we talk about books, they talk about media that's on a screen. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. Lots of good stuff to check out. So go head over there. Head over to the website, which is just certainpov.com. Check out other podcasts, our Discord. And we will see you in two weeks for with the Graveyard Apartment. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.